Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? Welcome. You are watching or listening to, actually, you could be doing both, the Command Zone Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy Wong, back in the blood. And I'm Craig Blanchett, Mr. Infect. Uh, I've been gone from the past few episodes. Some of you may know if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, but I had a baby. Yay! We'll be talking more about that probably at the end step. So let's get right into it. Today, we are talking about the In the 99 for Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Craig, the set, it may be one of the best sets I've ever seen in my life. I'm excited about it, man. The land cycle's really cool. They did a lot of really cool things. It's been a while since we've gone back here, so... It's been a while, and we're back now. Uh, But before we get into it, we're going to talk about so many cards today. If you want to pick up any of those cards, head on over to channelfireball.com slash command. That is the command zone link, a referral link, for you to go over there and pick up some cards and support the show while doing so. You can also enter command at checkout, but you're going to be shopping from tons of local game stores from around the country, and you're going to be getting some amazing deals because they're all competing with each other on the marketplace. It's awesome. It's great. You'll get the cards you need very quickly and in great condition. Well, actually, if you wanted to, you could buy heavily played as well. That's the options of having so many stores to choose from. Uh, but yeah, channelfireball.com slash command. And of course, when you get those cards, sleeve them up in some Ultra Pro gear. Craig, Josh, myself, a lot of people here at the office, we've been using Ultra Pro for almost our entire gaming careers. I still have one of their playmats under my computer, my desk mat. I've had that there for so long, like a mouse pad. I've had sleeves I've been using for six plus years now. That's an investment, and your investments are your cards, so you want to protect them, so make sure you pick up some Ultra Pro product. Finally, last week to support the show, directly at patreon.com slash commandzone. We're starting to do a little bit more Patreon-exclusive content this year, Uh, and so if you want to get access to that, some really interesting stuff is going to be happening. Make sure you head on over, and we shout out one lucky patron every single week. And this week's episode is dedicated to... Connor Connor Riley. Okie dokie. Connor, you rock. You do rock, Connor. Yeah, yeah. it's always Josh's job to do that, not mine. (laughs) Okay, let's get into it. This is going to be a big, long episode, so we've got lots of cards to cover. Let's start with the cycles. So the first up, well, these are the... These are the ones that make the most, uh, that made the news, I guess. It's the legendary land cycle. There are five of them, one for each color, and, well, Craig... So good. Yeah, just how good are these, Craig? They're incredibly good. I mean, they're the nice thing is they fit into the quadrant theory really well. They're good early game. They're good late game. They're good when you're down. They're good when you're up. Yep. Uh, so they really fit into basically all quadrants, which makes them really powerful. Yeah, and you will find that you can pretty much substitute these for almost any basic land uh, that matches the land type in your deck. Not even land type, sorry, the color that produces because they all come in untapped, they tap for their color, and they all have this very special ability that is called a channel ability. Uh, It's something that gets reduced Uh, the cost of it for each legendary creature that you have. This is true across all of them, and they're all pretty relevant effects to EDH. So uh, if you have a deck that cares about legendary creatures, like Kethys the Hidden Hand, Sisse, Weatherlight Captain, Captain Sisse, then you're going to automatically use these cards. But guess what? Craig, do you have a legendary creature in your commander's deck? (laughs) I think I do, yeah. 
I think it is. Yeah, your commander will also reduce the cost of the channel abilities. And, and I don't even think you need to be running a bunch of legendaries to make yeah. these worthwhile. Like, they're just good even at their, CM, you know, whatever their... Their regular cost. Yeah, yeah their regular cost. So it, it, all of the abilities are very well balanced. And the fact that they come in, into play untapped is yeah, insane. Nuts. I don't... I mean, for me personally, I read these and went, why do these not come in tapped at the very minimum? Because their channel ability, also you can do it at instant speed. It's not casting a spell. So it's very hard to counter. And we'll get into it, but you need cards like Nimble Obstructionist, Stifle, Sublime Epiphany, or a brand new Mirashell Crab from uh, from Neon Dynasty to be able to even stop these things from happening. So let's talk about the first one. Craig, read it. Beseju, who endures? This is the green one. So it's a legendary land. Says tap, add one green to your mana pool. Channel one and a green. Discard Beseju, who endures. Destroy target artifact, enchantment, or non-basic land an opponent controls. That player may search their library for a land card with a basic land type. Put it into the battlefield, then shuffle. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. All right. So channel is a activated ability on this card. If it's in your hand, you can pay one in the green, you discard it, and then you can destroy an artifact enchantment or non-basic land. And then if you do, your opponent gets to go search for a land, a basic land type. So you would think, oh, it's kind of like Path to Exile. They get to get a land, a basic land out. No, they get a basic land type out, which means they could get a triumph. A bayou. A bayou, right? And, they can get and a it, dual land out of it. So and it comes into play untapped. Right. So it's it's uh, there's quite an advantage for them, but the fact that it's only one in a green means that all you have to do is have your commander out, and it's just one green to do the effect. Yeah, it just costs a green mana, instant speed, very hard to counter, destroy a relevant thing, artifact enchantment, or non-basic land. Uh, so, Craig, what kind of lands would you like to take care of? <laughs> as long as I'm not playing them, and it does say target opponents, so, <laughs> and these are cards that I play a lot of, like Guy's Cradle, or Urborg, or Field of the Dead. Field of the Dead is one of my favorites i love that card <laughs> yeah if you're like post malone and playing a guy's cradle and you jo and you're josh you don't want to play a strip mine you could actually instead pay a green discard besage you if you ever you know commander out and then blam would just get rid of it now they get a land back and it could you know fix their mana but it's as, not a guy's cradle. it's, it's not, not yeah. for like 30 mana yeah, yeah it's not one of those nutso lands and field of the dead is one of those lands that can just take over a game too so this is very very powerful so it seems somewhat like i agree with you that like the the fact that they come into play untapped is you know there's something to think about there as far as like are these too powerful but at the same time you can't really abuse them you can't reuse them in the same way because most cards won't get a car a land back from your graveyard to your hand yeah it you usually says straight to the something. battlefield right. so like, oh i see i see so because you have to discard it you can't like have it in the battlefield and then tap it and do something and then right. sacrifice it so i think that that's a interesting way that they kind of like balanced it yeah, I don't think it's very balanced, though, still. <laughs> because you can play Bounce Land to get it out from your... If it's on the battlefield, if you already played it. This is the same for the Molo Dual Face cards as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so it's still very good. There are cards that just rebuy cards into your hand. Like, you know, Green's got plenty of them. Um, yep, you could always e-witness it or that yeah. new uh, that new turtle or whatever. Yep, yep, mm -hmm. yep. Uh, this, again, this effect, too, can actually be really good if you have an Avon Mind Sensor or Opposition Agent out or Mindlock Orb. Oh, that's Or Leon Arbiter, because then you'll cast this 
just destroy their thing and they can't search their library. So they can't actually get the other part of it. But even if they do get the land, I think this card is still insane. Um, instantly, it's one of the best cards we're going to talk about this entire set review. Just because of all the factors we listed above. Most oftentimes, it's going to cost just one green mana to destroy something relevant. And you're not, you know, you can do it at the end step. It's instant speed. It's hard to counter. There's just so many good things about this card. So good job, Wizards. You, you did it. <laughs> Oh, and actually, there's another card that stops players from searching libraries, Shadow of Doubt. It's actually going to get a reprint soon uh, in one of the secret lairs coming up. Okay, next up, we have the white card of the land cycle. And would you guess it? It's the worst one. But it's still good. <laughs> it's Igonjo, Seat of the Empire. Legendary land, you can tap it to add a white mana, or you can channel it for two and a white to discard it, and then it deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. So this, not so great, needs to be an attacking or blocking creature, so it's like a combat trick. Uh, and it costs three mana on its surface, maybe reduced down to two, maybe one. Not so great. Not so great. I think if you could get it off for one, then it's worth it, but... Even then, if someone never attacks you, you're probably just playing this as a land. But totally. that's the thing about these cards, right? You don't put this into your deck and it's like, oh no, I, I don't have another land to put, or another card to put it there. And there's like, no, this is a land. And it functions perfectly as a land as well. So you're still going to play it in a deck if you have white, just because sometimes you'll just get someone with it. Yep. Um, someone mentioned on our, on our team that's good with Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, because she doesn't care about uh, this card when you channel it. It's not, it's a, it's a land, but it's not a non-creature spell you're casting. You're channeling it out of your hand so again dodges certain things in the game making it just darn just so good all right next one is otawara soaring city it's a legendary land tap add one blue to your mana pool channel three in a blue discard otawara soaring city return target artifact creature enchantment or planeswalker to its owner's hand this ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. Wow. I yeah. like this one a lot, too. I Notice too. it doesn't say opponent, so you can bounce your own stuff. So this could be protection for your own stuff as well. Yeah, Baseju does specifically say opponents, but this does not. Mm -hmm. And I like, I love your uh, thought that you could bounce a Planeswalker, the fact that it says Planeswalker, so you could oh, yeah. bounce a Planeswalker, replay it if somebody's trying to deal damage to it, or if you you know got your doubling season out late or something like that. Or if you're playing a Super Friends deck, you bounce a Deep Lose deep glow skate to then play it again oh to, my gosh yeah i mean i think this is unbelievably good in super friends mm -hmm. and also very good in almost any other deck because it means artifact creature or enchantment or planeswalker all of those things could be the key combo piece or the big part of your engine in your deck you know josh had the uh, unwinding clock out if he had odawara out and enough mana he could have saved it and replayed it again next turn right so there's just so many uses the opportunity cost for these cards is near zero what would you say is the percentage that you're using it on your own things versus somebody else's probably it probably depends on what you're deck is trying to do if mm. you are like a brago deck or the deck that wants to bounce things then yeah you'll probably have a higher chance of using it on your own stuff but if you just need to get rid of someone's crazy mech titan core that has transformed you could just use that for that too yeah i think i see myself somewhere around 50 50 using it on my own stuff versus other people's only one way to find out and you can also let us know in the comments too if you had a chance to play with this in edh so far because i'm pretty sure it's going to be very powerful yeah all right next up we have the red land it's sokinzan crucible of defiance again it's a legendary land you can tap it to add red and then you can channel it for three and a red discard it and then you create two one one colorless spirit creature tokens they gain haste until end of turn and as always, this ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. Um, I'm just going to say this right now. The green one 
by far the best already, and also just naturally has the lowest channel cost. Everything else so far has been three or four mana, and the last one is also four mana. So I don't know what's going on. Stop doing green so many favors. They've already got Krosin Grip. They've already got all these other ways to do this thing. But okay, anyway, let's talk about Sokinzan. <laughs> uh, two one one colorless spirit creature tokens with haste. How do you see yourself using this one, Craig? I already saw myself using it in Prosh, you know, things where you can double up your tokens, you know, any sort of uh, token deck that uses red that, you know, you have Perforos or Impact Tremors Ooh, or, nice. you know, even like Death Triggers, like uh, Shadows or whatever. Vicious I Shadows, think right? Vicious Shadows, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think there are ways and certain decks that can abuse this card more than others. Um, but even if you just used it to, you know, in a bad case scenario, chump block to yeah. other creatures. Or let's say someone swinging with Annihilator. Great. Channel this, make some things to, to, to you know, to get rid of instead. Yep. Um, I could see, I mean, the haste is cool because you could do it on your turn and then attack people with it. But I see holding up mana and then doing it your end step, pass to me. Now I have two one ones that I can equip a sword to. Yeah. Now I have two one ones that can do some damage or get some combat, you know, triggers in or whatever it is. Um, I have two one ones that in Winoda, are going to trigger her both freaking times? Are you kidding me? It's very good in Winona. It's so good. You play Winona. <laughs> now the channel cost only costs three mana if you want to do it on your turn. Three mana to get two Winona triggers at haste speed. That is definitely, yeah, I think, huge. worthy. And again, this doesn't replace another card in the deck. It just replaces a land. Yeah, just a mountain. My goodness. Yeah. My goodness. Okay. Uh, this one's actually one of my favorites. Really? Yeah, I really like it. Well, I like the, this getting is the stuff out of the graveyard. Like, yeah. So this one's... Takanuma, Abandoned Mire. It's a legendary land. Tap, add one black to your mana pool. Channel channel three in a black. Discard Takanuma, Abandoned Mire. Mill three cards. Then return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand. Jeez. And again, the same text. This ability costs one less to activate for each legendary creature you control. But I like how it gives you more options. Mm -hmm. You know, it's almost like draw three it's almost like in mill, a mill deck draw milling three can be scry three draw a card three. kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh that's a good way of putting it uh, and which i think is super powerful for four mana or less um and the fact that you can do this late game which is when you'd need it you know let's say it's turn seven i draw this i don't necessarily need the eighth mana right but i can use it to get back something that died earlier or something like that yeah that's a good point right it does not say return a creature or planeswalker from the cards milled to your hand it's anything that's in there already so if right. you're a turbo mill deck if you're an arami of the dead tide or moldrotha or hogak you're already going to have cards in there and then blamo takanuma just becomes a land in the early game, if you need a land drop, later on, it just becomes a get whatever, get something good out of your graveyard. And you get to choose. A lot of the times with these recent uh, printings of stuff like this where you mill, a lot of times you're returning something at random uh, to your hand. Yeah, or, or to the from the field. cards that you milled, yeah. Exa or from the cards that you milled, but this one's open-ended, which I really like. Yeah, so I think if we had to rank these, white's probably the worst of the five because it's limited specifically to attacking or blocking creatures and it's just yeah. four damage. Then maybe red's next, but even then... Every single one of these lands is better than just a regular land in your deck. Totally. So I know that we're not supposed to say, oh, you have to play this in every deck, but these are pretty open and shut clear cases of like, yeah, you could make a... It'd be hard to say why you wouldn't play one of these lands in your deck if you had it, pulled it from a booster, or just you know wanted to upgrade your land just a little bit. 
Okay, moving on to the next cycle. This is the Invoke cycle. There's again one of these in each of the colors and they all cost the same pattern of mana. So it's one uh, mana of any color and then four pips of the color. So either white, blue, black, red, or green. So each of them is five mana value. That's rough. <laughs> it's rough. So what we'll say about this is you're probably not playing this in a three color deck. Unless no. that deck is very heavy into one color and every single one of, or every single one of your lands is like a Triumph, a three color land, you're playing Arcane Signets, right? All those different ways to generate uh, specific colors, man. You have Gilded Lotus, all that stuff. But even then, I don't play cards that have three pips in them. Like Necropotence, I cannot fit it easily into a, a deck that has three colors in it. I'm with you. I think I maybe have like four cards with three pips in them in all of my decks. There you go. Yeah. Well, let's see. I don't think I have any with four pips. <laughs> well, it's time to find out then, Craig, if any of those cards will, uh, these cards will make it into a deck. All right. So Here. first up, we have Invoke Calamity, the red one. It's one red, 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 red for an instant. By the way, this is the only instant of all of them. You may cast up to two instant and or sorcery spells with total mana value six or less from your graveyard and or hand without paying their mana costs. If those spells will be put into your graveyard, exile them instead, and then you exile Invoke Calamity. Okay. I'm down. I I definitely see the uses for this. I don't have a deck that this would work in, but I bet you you do. Oh, Craig, <laughs> almost every one of my favorite decks this works in. So this is great, right? This is a five mana spell that you can rebuy two instants and or sorceries from your graveyard or your hand. So it doesn't even need to be in your graveyard and it has to just have a total mana value of six or less. So forks, for instance, a lot of two mana forks out there will allow you to double a spell up so you can do two and then you can cast another spell with that to double that up right a four mana spell. can you fork this uh yeah 100 percent. with the cop so Craig, you, you could can like fork anything but so but could you spoons cast, on the other could hand you cast this just kidding <laughs> could you cast this let's say you have a fork and something else you could use the fork to double this so that then you get three more things i think on resolution this exiles itself so the fork would not be able to see it when you then cast that graveyard okay so you have to fork it when it's on the stack so I'm sorry, you can't fork anything. <laughs> you have to specifically do it at specific timing. And maybe so you have to cast this, then cast fork yeah. with your own mana, not from this, yeah. to and copy it. Then you get yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And okay. like buy it flowers, take it out to dinner, all that stuff. <laughs> um, so I, there's a lot of combo potential here. Um, and again, this has specific wording. So I could wait till Craig's end of turn and then cast this, spending the five mana. Because this says you may cast those spells... Um, uh, until your next sunset? Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. You may cast from the grave without paying. Nope, I'm sorry. So you have to cast this on your turn because it has to happen that same turn. It doesn't have a till your next end step clause on it. Um, but this is great, right? For any cards that care about casting spells from your graveyard. Um, there's like cards like Ignite the Future or Increasing Ambition, Increasing Vengeance, all the increasings, Devotion, Confusion, Savagery, Sivin's Reclamation. These all care when you cast cards from the graveyard and Invoke Calamity is allowing that to happen. Um, but then, you know, if you have a deck with Underworld Breach or Jessica's Will, you're just off to the races. These are all great things to cast. Um, and getting them again is very powerful. You just have to find sort of, you know, and again, it's also up to two instances and or sorceries. It doesn't, you can just do one for one for like two mana. You don't have to cast more than that. The way I kind of see this is like, it's a five mana red torrential gear Hulk. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so the commanders that are good with this, obviously, Neheb the Eternal. 
<laughs> Everyone's favorite. Sometimes you need to just class, cast Flame Rift again and just give yourself an extra whatever. Mana Geyser. That's my favorite. Like Freaking Mana Geyser. Mana Geyser again. Invoke That'd be Calamity so good. is just on its face Mana Geyser in a deck. It's a redundant copy of Mana Geyser. You could actually do Mana Geyser and then Faithless Looting, by the way. Yep. Because you don't even need to use the flashback cost if it's in your graveyard. That's five plus one, six. You could do Wheel of Fortune. Um, if you have that card, you could do Wheel of Misfortune. There's lots of good cards to cast with Invoke Calamity, so I you like this do card Reiterate and then put three, back, three into it to get the buyback, so it doesn't actually go to your graveyard. It goes back to your hand. Yeah, yep. that's a good point. So, uh, good times here with Invoke Calamity. Right. I'm down for it. You'll Fine. see me. You'll see me putting this in decks for sure. You've convinced me. All right. Next up, though, they, they don't get as spicy as that one, though. I'm yeah, sure. that one. That one probably is the best. <laughs> so now we enter the sorceries. This one's Invoke Despair. It's one black, 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 black. Target opponent sacrifices a creature. If they can't, they lose two life, and you draw a card. Then repeat this process for an enchantment and a planeswalker. I do appreciate how this is pseudo enchantment removal in black. <laughs> very However, pseudo. it's like, yeah, it's very pseudo because they get to choose. So if you're playing against an enchantment deck, they get to choose which enchantment they get rid of. Yeah. The draw cards is kind of a cool, uh, weird payoff that they don't, that we don't usually see. Yeah. Like, if they cannot sacrifice the right. creature enchantment or planeswalker, most likely the planeswalker one, you're always going to draw a card off of this. Right. But there better be for four black pips. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there better be some sort of a payoff. Like, I better draw cards and gain life or so, or they lose, lose life. life. Yeah. Uh, but I do think if you can hit all three of these things, it is worth the casting cost. Probably. You know, to destroy three things like that from one player really can cripple them. It does the let problem them choose. is that they get to choose. Yeah, they get to right. choose. Um, right. Great against Voltron decks because then they just sacrifice the best thing. Is probably playable in like a Kyrick deck because you, this just costs one mana and eight life. So you could do that. I like, um, that. I like But that. I think like for your playgroup, you just got to do what Craig said, right? You got to see, you know, is this going to have an effect? And the way that a great way to think about these cards too is the next time you're playing a game, you can just look around the table and say, is Invoke Despair a good play right now? And you could look and be like, nope. It's like, all right, in three <laughs> turns, is it a good play right now? Still no? Okay, probably should be running this in my playgroup. Um, I think unless... 80% of the time you're going to be like, no. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it's also target opponent. Like if it was you each get... opponent? Yeah, each opponent. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Even then it might be Or if just, it was okay, well... target opponent for each one, like if you were Planeswalker, oh, you Creature, so you can Enchantment. Sure yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's <sighs> just a little too niche. Um, now, if you're in Turgrid, maybe it's playable, but Ugh. you didn't hear that from us. All right, next up we got Invoke wow. Justice. It's the white one. It's one white, 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 a.k.a. probably the least played card already in the in the history of EDH because it has so many white pips. Uh, it's a sorcery. You can return target permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield, then distribute four plus one plus one counters among any number of creatures and or vehicles target player controls. I actually think this one's kind of interesting. So I like how it's target permanent, and I like how you can distribute those those counters, uh, counters anywhere. anywhere. Well, on one player specifically. But. On what? Sure, you have to target the player, which you're likely targeting yourself. You better be. But, right. But, you know, the uh, the fact that you can get a permanent of any type directly into play, I think, there cool. is a, I think there is a play style here where... You know, I think, you know, like it says in here, it's probably a black-white play style where you're discarding cards or get putting stuff into the graveyard and then using this to reanimate it. Yeah. And, and five mana reanimate 
any permanent, by the way. So it doesn't have to be creatures. You could be discarding a huge mana rock thing, or you could discard a uh, planar portal, and then invoke justice can get it out. An um, Eldrazi, you could do, you know. Well, some Eldrazi, yeah, right. yeah. It that betrays, I believe, you could get out. Yep. I hear that card's pretty good. <laughs> I hear we also don't know how it works. Um, if you're in white green, then the plus one plus encounters I think matter. So you've got your hardening scales decks, your branching evolution decks, sure. um, the commanders that this works with. I would say because again, you're going to be hard pressed to play this outside of a two color deck. Hamza, Guardian of Arashin, Kyler, the Guardian uh, Emissary. Both of those are uh, plus one plus one counters matters decks. And, you know, it, it seems actually pretty good. Again, what you said is right. Return target permanent from your graveyard to the battlefield. This could also just be a land. Could be a land, yeah. Probably you're not could be do. your guy's cradle after somebody uses Besaju on it. That's a good point. And you're in the token deck <laughs> in green and white? Heck yeah, you want to do that. It could be yep. your, uh, your your doubling season or your parallel lives. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. All right. Uh, oh, man. So wait, then the permanent, let's say it's doubling season. The oh, doubling yeah, season yeah, yeah. enters and then you get eight counters? That's right, because it's you return it and then you distribute those counters on. Okay. There's probably some sort of loops that you can do here as well, um, getting another creature that can maybe reanimate something or getting into things. So it's like you get this and you get a creature and then you get the counters on, you know, all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next up, we got the green one. Yeah, I like this one too. So it's one green, 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 green. First sorcery, it's called Invoke the Ancients. Create two, four, five green spirit creature tokens. For each of them, put your choice of a vigilance counter, a reach counter, or a trample counter on it. Okay. I, th I think that's interesting in a couple different ways. And again, not to overuse doubling season, but <laughs> if you are playing this this card, you're probably in a token deck. So you're probably, Making if you can a afford a doubling season or parallel lives, you're probably running that. And that makes this card a lot better. Um, it also yeah, puts... Create four, four fives, and then you get to choose if they have trample, vigilance, reach. Yeah, pretty good. And if it's doubling season, you get to put two of those say trample oh, counters on right. it so then if you're using things that can manipulate counters you can shift those counters to other things oh, and i think okay. being yeah, able yeah, to yeah. also choose between vigilance trample and reach is also super pertinent in almost any game because you're going to read the board and say okay jimmy's got a lot of flyers yeah. i need reach okay uh you know josh has a lot of blockers i need trample yeah uh or everybody's attacking me i need vigilance yeah you know i would say four or five blocks almost not all of them. There are five, five, six dragons blocker. and stuff out there, but four, five is a heck of a blocker. Yeah. Pretty darn good attacker. For me, I'm just looking at the trample and going, yeah, that's what I want to be doing. And then casting some sort of, uh, you know, triumph of the hordes on top, even though that gives trample too. I'm all for that. <laughs> okay. Um, actually, you know, triumph of the hordes and vigilance that way. Oh, totally. You know, after you knock Craig out with infect, everyone's going to look at you and be like that. I mean, triumph of the hordes in this card is kill one person. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. All right, we did it. Two-card combo. Got there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any deck that has Populate, Annoying Procession, so there's Gearid, Conclave Exile, Growing Ranks, Full Flowering, all those good stuff that you can just sort of... Sundering Growth, love that card. Yep. Um, all right, the last one is Invoke the Winds. One blue, 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 blue. So it's four blue pips for those of you listening. It's a sorcery. Gain control of target artifact or creature and untap it. So a couple of things here. Blue has always had abilities to be able to steal other stuff from people, but sometimes it's temporary. If you get rid of the card that stole it or the enchantment, then it goes back. This is a five mana steal one thing, but specifically an artifact or creature, and it untaps it. Mm. And it's not an enchantment, like you said. It's a sorcery, so it's like once it happens, if they, they can't undo it. Right. Which Unless is... they counter it or bounce the permanent. Sure, sure, sure. But once it happens, it's like it's happened. Yeah. Then the next part, the fact that it untaps it is super relevant. 
The only thing going against this card, again, is the four blue pips. Like, the only thing going against any of these cards, really, is the four pips. Yeah. And they're not on permanence either, so it's not like they can, you know, help your gods out or something like that. Like, oh, that'd be something that would make it way better if these were enchantments or something like that or even sagas that did something you know like that you just got three different uh, abilities yeah. and then they go away um yeah the nice thing about the untap part is you can steal an artifact and when you do the opponent can't be like oh tap it in response you know so if you took a gilded lotus they would tap it and then you'd get it tapped no it actually comes back on your battlefield and untap so you can use it that turn um, but you wrote down a really good point, which is like, compare this to Agent of Treachery or Blatant Thievery. Those are both 7 CMC. Uh, they're yep. a little bit easier to cast, especially Agent of Treachery. And they gain control of target permanent. Blatant Thievery gains control of many permanents. Um, so it's sort of like, you know, are you in that deck that wants to steal everything? But also, is Invoke the Winds just worse than those cards? Maybe. I think in the deck that you're playing these, you would consider this, you know, because it is five CMC, especially if you're mono blue. It all depends. Like, it's not a bad card. I just... It's just hard to cast. It's just hard to cast. Yeah. You would play it in your Memnarch deck, though, right, Craig? I, if my Memnarch... You're making so much blue mana in that deck. You could absolutely play it in a Memnarch deck. My Memnarch deck is the closest I have to a CEDH, so I Mm -hmm. probably would not because it's not... That is not a CEDH card. You know, but if you if you have a casual Memnarch deck, absolutely, that would be amazing. Casual Memnarch deck, sighted, <laughs> on site, get it out of here. All right. All right, so that's the Invoke cycle. We have another cycle, and this is the March cycle, even though it's February. Actually, this, no, yeah, it'll still be February by the time this episode comes out, I think. Uh, so let's move right into it. March of Burgeoning Life. X in the green for an instant. As an additional cost to cost as an additional cost to cast this spell, you may exile any number of green cards from your hand. This spell costs two generic mana less to cast for each card exiled this way. This is text that's across all of these, but instead of green, it's white on the white cards, blah blah blah. So again, when you cast this, you can exile any number of green cards from your hand, and the spell casts two generic mana less to cast for each card exiled this way. For March of Burgeoning Life, choose target creature with mana value less than X. Search your library for a creature, put it on the, with the same name as that creature, put it on the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle. This card's probably not for our format. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Uh, Unless, like, you put your, like, all, your entire playgroup is playing Consecrated Sphinxes. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, <laughs> I want one, too. And in that case, it's a seven mana instant Consecrated Sphinx, because it's six plus one. Or it could be less. It could be uh, five mana, and you exile another green card from your hand, uh, because you know the card's going to draw you more, right? Um, but yeah, we won't talk much about March of Burgeoning Life because it's not really for our format. Yeah. All right, the next one is March of Otherworldly Light. It's the white one. And again, has that same clause. It costs two less for each white card you exile from your hand when you cast it. And this exiles target artifact creature or enchantment with mana value X or less. So just by itself, X and a white, you can pay, let's say there's a Ristic Study on the battlefield. It's four mana, exile the Ristic Study. <laughs> So I'm hearing now, so I thought it was just artifact or an enchantment. The fact that it can hit a creature too increases the use case. The use case of it. And same with the fact that it's an instant is cool. But I mean, when you have a card like this that like you're saying would cost four mana to get rid of of it in that case scenario, when you have cards like Revoke Existence, you know, again right. at sorcery speed, sure, but for two mana uh, You'll guarantee get rid of something. You don't need to match the mana value with X, yada, yada. Yeah, there's just like, I don't know. It just seems clunky. 
Yeah, it's tough because you are putting yourself at card disadvantage, especially if you're exiling cards out of your hand, and if you're in a deck that doesn't have as much card draw or ways to replenish your hand, then you're really putting yourself down because you may need those cards later. Um, and so I think it's tough to, to really justify the use of this one as well, especially because for one white mana, I would rather just play a Swords or a Path than this saying that for an exile a creature effect now right. i do still need artifact and enchantment removal but that may come from somewhere else so it's a little tough for me to sort of justify this one all right moving right on ahead to march of reckless joy it's the red one same clause is beginning as each other one uh, as an additional cost you can make exile any number of red cards from your hand and it costs two less to cast for each red card exiled this way this one says, exile the top X cards of your library. You may play up to two of those cards until the end of your next turn. So if you pay two mana into X, then you're going to see two cards, and you can play both of those until the end of your next turn. Okay. There's something to that. I mean, definitely Prosper would would definitely see that as something that's cool. Yeah. It's really similar to Commune with Lava, which is X red red. Mm. Uh, here's the thing, though. Commune with Lava lets you cast every card that you exile, and you can play them as well. Um March of Reckless Joy only lets you choose two. But so, but to that point, how often are you actually playing more than two of those cards? Eh, I guess it depends. It if, does, if one of those yeah. cards is a Mana Geyser or a Jessica's Will, then sure. you're, maybe you're going Then you're on. able to yeah. do more. Right, right, right. But if you're in Prosper and you're just kind of like a couple lands and this and that, and you know, yeah. like let's say you put five into it and there's maybe only two real playable cards or you only have enough mana for two of them or something right, like that. Right, right. I mean, I think this card is actually pretty okay and lots too. of mono red decks will probably still find a way to play this because Reckless Impulse is one of the best commons ever printed for Ronald Red. So I can totally see, you know, this being an, an auto-include in certain decks as well. I can see that. Including the Heb the Eternal, my favorite! Yeah, clearly, there's a lot of Neheb uh, gas in here. A lot of gas, yeah. Uh, so the next one's March of Swirling Mist. X in a blue for an instant. As an additional cost to cast a spell, you may exile any number of blue cards from your hand. The spell costs two less to cast for each card exiled this way. Uh, but the main part of it is up to X target creatures phase out. Pew, 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 pew. So That's out. cool. Yeah, phasing out. They, they're treated as though they don't exist. Uh, they phase in before the controller untaps during their next untap step. So they basically kind of like disappear from the, the battlefield for a hot second, like Teferi's Protection. But what I love about phasing is it doesn't unequip. It doesn't, you can mm. phase out uh, tokens. They still come back as normal. Right. It's not like exiling. So, you know, in a Voltron deck, in a blue tokens deck, uh, you know, if somebody else wraths, I do think that there is a definite strategic advantage to holding this up with a bunch of mana mm -hmm. to just, okay, so, you know, you can feel when the board's about to get wrathed, or sometimes somebody will even say, I'm going to kill everything next turn. You're like, oh, great, I'm going to wait, and I'm not going to counter it, and they're like, cool, cool, wrath of God. Right. More like just swirling mist. The nice thing here is that if you do exile cards out of your hand, and you save a creature with it, then it's less card disadvantage, because you exile, let's say, two blue cards out of your hand, this casts for four now, you save four creatures, that's four creatures being saved and two cards you exiled. Maybe that's actually worth it in that case. So you can actually just hold up one blue mana instead. So this does have, I think, a lot of use. It is a stinky that it's only creatures, but I like the idea of being able to protect your own stuff in mono blue. Well, I think it's really good, you know, because of that in Voltron decks. Like, I am I think I'm going to put this in Rafik. I, I play Rafik Infect, so I don't need to save too many creatures, right. which means that I don't have to hold too much mana yeah, up. Yeah, it's just two mana in that case, one exactly. in a blue. Exactly, yeah. or one blue card in a blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's also, like, Arden, Intrepid Archaeologist, where you're trying to stack everything onto a single creature, so totally. then being able to make it protected is really important. So yep. I like that a lot. All right, let's talk about the last one. It's the black one, March of Wretched Sorrow. X and a black for an instant. 
As an additional cost to cast a spell, you may exile any number of black cards from your hand. The spell costs two less to cast for each card exiled this way. And then March of Wretched Sorrow deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker, and you gain X life. Nope, I don't yep. like it. Nope. <laughs> Look, in this case, Exsanguinate, Torment of Hailfire, those are sort of the win conditions with X tied to them. This is just going to steal some creature's life to a creature or a planeswalker, not even to a player. So I don't think this is definitely worth an inclusion in most decks. Yeah, you would have to be playing something like Repercussion or something like that to then right. have it deal damage to the player. Okay, so those were t- three cycles? Yeah, three cycles, lots of cycles, 15 cards we've talked about now. We got plenty more, by the way. Let's move on to our play. Walkers. Our first up is Kaito Shizuki, the oh. sort of lead character of this set. One, a blue and a black for a three loyalty planeswalker. And it has uh, this interesting first line of text. At the beginning of your end step, if Kaito Shizuki entered the battlefield this turn, he phases out. So we just talked about phasing. He disappears. It's as though he doesn't exist until he comes back in, but he does not leave the battlefield, notably. So he keeps the number of uh, yeah. loyalty. Loyalty cards. as well, yeah. yeah. So that when he phases back in, it doesn't have the same thing happen, which is when he enters, if he enters the battlefield this turn, he phases out. So he's got three abilities. The first is a plus one draw a card, then discard a card unless you attack this turn. The minus two is create a one one blue ninja creature token with this creature can't be blocked. And the minus seven is you get an emblem with whatever creature you control deals combat damage to a player, search your library for a blue or black creature card, put it onto the battlefield, and then shuffle. All right, this is really cool. He protects himself the first turn he comes down because you'll play him, you'll plus or minus him, and then he phases out so that no one can touch him until it's your turn again. And then you can use his ability twice. So you're almost guaranteed to be able to use both his, two of his abilities uh, yeah. or one of the same ability, the plus one twice. On a three CMC Planeswalker, that's really good. Yeah. And the fact that it, like he's so thematically a ninja, mm-hmm. the fact that he exiles when he comes into play, if you played him this turn. Yeah, uh, or he phases out. He like disappears. He, out. he goes into the shadows. You right. Know? Which I also think, you know, like Aminatu able to blink him every turn, which is really cool. Oh, that's right. So he'll just keep phasing out every single end step. And so you could just tick up or down Mm -hmm. whatever you want to do. Yeah, not to mention that the blue ninja creature token you create can also block. So it can be a blocker. And if you use that creature to attack, so you play this, minus two him, he phases out. Next turn, he phases back in, that one one attacks, and then you can plus one him to just draw a card. You don't need a discard because you did attack with a creature this turn, and it couldn't be blocked. So that's a very clear play pattern. This is a very powerful Planeswalker, I think. It's three mana uh, with three loyalty. We've seen this before with Liliana of the Veil. We've seen this with Oko. This is potential to have a lot of play as well as use across multiple formats. So keep an eye on this one, I think. Even if you just played this Planeswalker and just plused one for, you know... Draw a discard. Draw a discard for three turns or so you've you've gotten your value out of it you've seen more cards you know what i mean and guaranteed you can play him plus one him and as long as someone doesn't remove him till your end step phases out you're going to use another one of his abilities the next turn again unless someone removes them uh before you can do so very very cool in all the ninja decks yuriko satoru umazawa anawan they all like this card and i really like what you said about aminatu that's that's the big one yeah, the Aminatu thing is very cool. All right. All right. This one, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Yeah, I gave it to you. I, I timed it so that you'd be able to read this one. <laughs> Appreciate it. Tamiyo completed Sage. Ah, well, less. Ah, more. So it's two, a green, a blue, and a Phyrexian green or blue. Uh, it has completed. So a green or blue can be paid with a green, a blue, or two life. 
if life was paid, this planeswalker enters with two fewer loyalty counters. Okay. Something to pay attention to that I didn't realize uh, until I saw it on here. It will enter with less uh, loyalty counters if you do the Phyrexian mana thing. Yeah. So this is a five mana, five mana loyal, five mana planeswalker for five loyalty, or it's three loyalty. Uh, for four mana and you lose two life. Right. Or no, three mana and you lose. No, four mana and you lose Four two mana, life. you yes, lose right. two life. Um, but it's plus one. Tap up to one target artifact or creature. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Minus X, exile target non-land permanent card with mana value X from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of that card. Ooh. Very cool. I like that. Minus seven, create Tamiyo's Notebook, a legendary colorless artifact token with spells you cast cost two less to cast and tap draw a card all right so that ultimate is pretty nutty it gives every single card that you have a minus two to the mana cost however it is a token so someone could just bounce it that's the first time that they've ever done something like that with what we'd usually consider an emblem, an right? emblem yeah typically the, the the minus big minuses are emblems you can't interact with them and they're very powerful do but you think the can. reason that they did that was because the tap for mana you can't necessarily tap an emblem but you have to tap like but a card like a token could be tapped? Is that To something? draw a card? Yeah, maybe. I mean, they could also just have had it with like cards, spells you cast cost two less to cast and not the second ability True. made it. Yeah, yeah. So I think Tammy was a little pushed in that regard. Yeah. Uh, again, you can cast this for five mana. So two, a green, blue, and then either, and then a green or blue. And then it comes in with five loyalty. Or you cast two green, blue, and then pay two life. And it comes in with three loyalty. Um, this is a very cool planeswalker. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, you can minus five it instantly and you can rebuy a card like doubling season, for instance, because it's a five mana card. But this is minus five rebuy a five CMC card and there's lots of good cards in that world. Um, I like too that it creates a token copy. You can do, you know, if you have mirror gallery or mirror box shenanigans, then you can start creating copies of more uh, legendary creatures, different totally. ways. There's lots of different interesting things you can do here. Kind of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. So if you have like parallel lives or knowing a procession and then you use the minus X ability, that's when you're going to want to have mirror box because totally. it makes two of the token copies. It's creating a token. So you could copy, you know, a legendary creature and blam, blam, you get two of them. Copy your general three times. If it's in the graveyard, like a madman. Uh, but it's also non-land permanent. <laughs> so you could copy artifacts, enchantments, all that sort of stuff. There's lots of different things you can do here. So Tamio, good job. It looks, it looks like you're better than before. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, she's looking completed. better too. She's complete. Yeah. I'm down with it. I'm totally down with it. Frickens are kind of cool. Next up, Tezzeret, Betrayer of Flesh. Kind of his fault all of this is starting, by the way. Two blue blue for a four loyalty planeswalker. And his static ability, the first activate ability of an artifact you activate each turn costs two less mana to activate. And then plus one, draw two cards, then discard two cards unless you discard an artifact card. Minus two, target artifact becomes an artifact creature. If it isn't a vehicle, it has base power and toughness for four. Minus six, you get an emblem with whenever an artifact you control becomes tapped, draw a card. All right. The first activated ability of an artifact you activate each turn costs two less to activate. Big note here. If you are tapping a mana rock for mana... That is an activated ability of an artifact. And then Tezzeret's minus two will no longer apply to the next thing you tap. Oh, that happens one time each turn. Good to know. Yeah. So the first time you activate it, you have to make sure, okay, I'm not actually going to tap my, you know, Gilded Lotus or whatever first. There are ways for this to go infinite, obviously. Voltaic Construct is a card that can untap an artifact for two mana. 
and then you would use the that would cost two less so it would cost no mana and then you would need to use a card like gilded lotus to add three mana and then use two of the mana from that to again untap gilded lotus and then you can just get plus one mana each time pretty nice the static ability i think is really good in like memnarch because you know it now costs one in the blue to gain control of target artifact and by the way this is each turn so you could pay two mana pass turn pay two mana pass turn pay two mana and then steal three artifacts for six mana pretty good See, I think it's cool in like the new Stranger Things decks because oh yeah, all the clues. I mean, you'll only be able to do one clue a turn, but let's say you have yeah, clues are free. Yeah, let's say you have multiple clues. Let's say you have four clues. Could you? Is it the beginning of each turn? Like, could you first activate ability of an artifact? You activate each turn. So if you had four clues, do it once in your turn. Pass, do it. Pass, do it. Pass, do it. Yep, that's pretty cool. Clues finally rock. Well, they're pretty cool before. Uh, Brea is a deck that I have. This would go very well in because Blamo, her ability now costs zero. You still have to sacrifice two artifacts. Quite good. Mirage Mirror. This is a card that you could use every turn now for free. That's actually probably the master play right there, isn't it? Yeah, there's also Staff of Domination and then Isochron Scepter, Mimic Vat. So we're going to mention Academy Manufacturer probably a few times this set. This seems like one of those cases where if you have a deck that has Academy Manufacturer, Tezzeret might work pretty well in there. Yep. I like this one too. Oh, yeah. You can equip swords for free. That's an activated ability. Heck yeah. Just got to make sure it's the first one of the turn. I'm sure there's going to be people who are like yeah, yeah, third yeah, activation yeah. in. It's going to be like, mm-mm. Uh-uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. So the, <laughs> the thing about this, like, right, if you're using like Urza or anything or, or the sword to, to use the ability, if you're in MTGO or Arena, you would click on the thing first to say, I want to activate this ability. And then the mana reduction would be cost. And then you could go and tap your artifacts for mana. You would not want to be like, all right, I'm going to float two mana and then use that to pay for this thing. Because at that point, when you've used the artifact to create the mana, that is your first activated ability. So you kind of have to do it in the, hey, I'm going to do this. It's going to require me to pay mana, but that mana is going to be reduced by Tezzeret because it's the first thing I did. Yeah, so the ordering is a little more difficult. It uh, is a little more restrictive. So still pretty awesome. That is very cool. All right, next up we got... The Wandering Emperor. Ah, the Wandering Emperor. I played against this guy, or this uh, girl, lady, lady in uh, the pre-release, and it was... What happened? This card is made for uh, limited. Limited? It's yeah. made for, like, standard and historic. It's very good uh, in combat-based situations. 1v1, it's it's incredible. It's nutty, yeah. So, the Wandering Emperor, two white-white for a legendary Planeswalker, does not have a Planeswalker subtype. Uh Flash, as long as the Wandering Emperor entered the battlefield this turn, you may activate her loyalty abilities anytime you could cast an instant. Ah. Plus one, put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature. It gains first strike until end of turn. Minus one, create a 2-2 white samurai creature token with vigilance. Minus two, exile target tapped creature, you gain two life. Jeez. Every one of these is pertinent. Create, giving a plus one plus one counter and then giving it first strike first strike is very good yeah it's still very powerful i think in commander it's nasty if you get it off and then someone thinks oh there's no way you can block even if you pump it up it's like no first strike death touch blam you're done yep the minus one create a one one or a two two white samurai with vigilance yeah. also very good vigilance is very pertinent is in this format and then the last one is what what got me in the pre-release oh yeah which was minus two exile target tapped creature you gain two life yeah so it's four mana comes down you instantly use the ability and then uh, the wandering emperor stays alive so it can do all three of its abilities on uh on after you cast it instantly 
Yep. Here's the thing. If you want to be the person that's like, I want to use this as a combat trick. I'm going to hold up four mana. Nothing happened. No one attacked. You can just, you know, be in a deck that can also cast Generous Gift or Return to Dust or a Chroma's Will. Those are all four mana card, three or four mana cards that allow you to sort of be the slot of using the Watering Emperor. Instead, you can hold it back. But honestly, I think you just play, if you don't have anything else to do and you're holding up four mana, don't worry if you can't get a combat trick out of this. Just play it, put a plus one, plus one counter on something, exile a creature, or just make a white samurai creature token. There's lots you can do here. Wandering Emperor, whew, pretty good stuff. Did you win that game, by the way, you played against it? Oh, I lost both of them. Like, <laughs> I didn't even make it to game three. It was just like a loss loss. That's like. how it goes sometimes. <laughs> when someone cracks open, and those are the only times when I'm like, yeah, you're right. They got lucky, and they got a cool card. Even if you played perfectly, you can't win against some bombs sometimes. Yep. Uh, but yeah, this card is really cool. Really cool. I like having Flash on a Planeswalker as well. Yeah, super cool that you can also use it the turn that it comes into play, too. Yeah. Okay, well, we have a whole grip of cards in front of me, a nice grip, uh, as some people are known to say, uh, and we're going to talk about them real soon, and we got some very interesting cards in here, including white, which, by the way, has the most cards out of all the other colors. Almost all the other colors combined. Yeah, we'll figure that out when we come back right after we hear from our mid-roll sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app 
or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up? We are back talking about magic cards, like the coolest kids in town, me and Craig Blanchett friends for almost a decade now it's true still doing it still talking about yeah. magic cards pretty heck amazing yeah, dude heck yeah uh and we are on to now the monocolors the multicolored artifacts and lands and believe it or not we have nine cards in front of us that is all of the the white cards we're going to be talking about that's more than every other color combined the other colors add up to six which is pretty crazy these this is in the 99 so they did promise that they were going to make white better this year let's see if that happened yeah i mean i think it, <laughs> i think it's there's, there's definitely some interesting yeah, ones there's here a, there's right. a march in that direction all right starting off with brilliant restoration all right brilliant restoration a sorcery for three white 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 wow return all artifact and enchantment cards from your graveyard to the battlefield Ooh. Vi- okay. okay so again you know four pips for not a permanent so it doesn't do anything for your gods but it's a seven mana spell with four white pips in it but the effect the effect is worth it in the right in the deck that you want this in i think you have no problem paying four white pips yeah so or waiting until you have four white mana yeah compared to open the vaults it's four white white but this returns artifact and enchantments from all graveyards to the battlefield under their owner's control brilliant restoration is just you only cost one extra mana but it's four white pips instead of two but that's pretty good. I, I found that I don't play open the vaults because it's not like I'm ready. To, I'm not packing all the graveyard removal and this at the same time. And the setup's really tough. Well, open the vaults can a lot of times bring your opponents back from the brink. Or, oh, yeah. you know, whereas, or lose you the game sometimes if you don't absolutely. know what's happening. Yeah. Right. Whereas this is like, nope, I know exactly what I'm getting back. It's only me. Yeah. Uh, there's definitely something to that. Yeah, the other comparison is Triumphant Reckoning, which is 9 CMC, 9 mana value, and it's got white, white, white in its casting cost. I think Brilliant Restoration is better, even though Triumphant Reckoning brings your Planeswalkers back, just because 9 mana is a really hard uh, spell slot to pull off. So well, Triumphant Reckoning seems more of a, a super, super friends. friends. Exactly. Whereas this is more of a probably tokens. Yeah, tokens or, or, or artifact enchantment decks like Ozgear, yep. the Reconstructor, um sit this harvest hand uh it feels like there's some options there this is pretty powerful though the four white pips again you're probably not playing this in the three color deck so if you have like a tuvasa or an estrid the mask desk right. deck probably not as likely probably not bent but white blue white green yeah definitely see that in these we're seeing this is an effect that we're seeing a lot more for white which is they like bringing stuff back from the graveyard to the battlefield specifically permanent and not creatures as much and i, I kind of like that um, it is cool yeah I, th- I think that's a good direction for white to go it definitely gives them play and I said this in our uh, Commander Year in Review video, which is a great way to make sure that these cards don't just get used across every single deck that can play it, like a Chroma's Will or a Jessica's Will, is by adding more pips of the color. And this is exactly that, even if I think four is maybe a little overboard. But it's still better, I think, to have this than to not have it at all. You always go hard and then dial it back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And you know, in acting, we always say that it's better to, to give more so that you can bring it back because it's hard to start from a place and add more to it. It's not as relevant here, but all right. <laughs> Next up, we got Farewell. Four white, white for a sorcery. Choose one or more. Exile all artifacts, exile all creatures, exile all enchantments, or exile all graveyards. Wow. 
love how you can choose any number of options. Yeah, I actually think this is one of the best board wipes White has ever seen. I absolutely agree with that. Because you can just be like, all right, farewell, goodbye all artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and graveyards, don't care. Yep. Or you can be like, I'm in the enchantment deck, uh, goodbye all artifacts, creatures, and graveyards. Or you can be like, I'm the artifact deck, right? So on and so forth. You can really be modal with it. Or I'm the planeswalker deck. I yeah. do them all. Do them all, <laughs> yeah. AoE exile, everything being exiled and exile again, very relevant because you're also getting rid of graveyard. So you're just hosing some strategies That's as soon as you do it. huge. Like yeah. everything that was a problem is now outside the game yeah i love how uh light humphreys tweeted out how they were going to spoil this card Mm -hmm. and i kind of wish that it did happen that way but i appreciate that it didn't they were gonna post this at uh, the end of 2021 as a like farewell to 2021 (laughs) uh but yeah if you're a planeswalker deck so nahiri the lethal mancer eminatu uh estrid those are all potentials for this for the planeswalker side of it i like that quite a bit this next one's a lot of fun. Yeah, this next one was in the same deck as the the Wandering Emperor that wrecked me. <laughs> they had both of these? Dude, it was, it Bro. Was, <laughs> Why, it was you still play Magic? <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you came back after that. So uh, Lion Sash is an artifact creature, equipment cat for one and a white. A uh, lot going on there. So it's a 1-1, one, one, one white exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a permanent card... Put a plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each plus one, plus one counter on Lion Sash. Reconfigure for two. Reconfigure is kind of like a new take on equip. Yeah, it allows artifact creatures that are also equipments to get equipped onto a creature. So you can only do it at sorcery speed, and then when it happens, it doesn't become a creature anymore. So it's a little similar to Bestow, if you remember that from the Theros days. Where it, it, but the other way is when bestow, the Bestow creature died, then it would become a creature. So Lion Sash is interesting because it is not a creature when it's attached, and then if the creature dies, it just becomes a Lion Sash again, and it's a creature. I do love that. I also think it's cool how with the reconfigure mechanic... Let's say you have one creature. Mm -hmm. So you can't, let's say you had equipment on there. You couldn't unequip your creature. Oh, right. But you can reconfigure it to take it off. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's attached to target creature control or unattached from a creature. Right. You can only do it as a sorcery, but it's basically equip cost two or unequip cost two as well. I don't know what the benefit of that is, but it's a possibility. (laughs) Well, here's the thing, right? This, every time, this is a white scavenging ooze. Every time you pay Mm. a white to exile a card, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. By the way, that by itself is very good. Very good. And it's going to get a plus one, plus one counter. So it turns from a one, one to a two, two, to a three, three, to a four, four. And then when you equip it on the creature, because it is no longer a creature, the, the counters don't transfer from the lion sash to the creature. It just says the creature gets plus one, plus one for each one, one counter. So maybe you just want two attackers, you know, or maybe you want to split it off because you want to just have it be by itself a six, six or whatever it is. And the creature itself is, you know, not as useful anymore. So maybe I see reconfiguring off the creature much less, I think. Yeah. But this by itself is just a two mana scavenging ooze in white. So I guess you could take it off to turn it into a creature or something like that. Yeah, exactly. This card is definitely a sleeper in that it's better, I think, than people are giving it credit for right now. I think this card is really Really good. good. And and it might be one of those auto includes, again, in most decks that play white because it ends up being so versatile. It can just be a creature by itself. You can make your biggest flyer bigger. And importantly, you just have the scavenging ooze ability and white doesn't have as much removal for graveyards as the other colors do. That's true. So I like Lion Sash a lot. And it's really good in like Galea, Kindler of Hope, or Rafik, Mm. or Zurgo, any of those sort of equipment-based decks. Yep. And again, the utility, very good. The, the utility, I think, is the best 
part about that card. And I'm yeah. interested to see in like a year how ubiquitous that card is. We will see. I will. We will see. And if anyone's playing white. <laughs> <laughs> That's check number one. Check number one, yeah. All right, next up, we got the cutest card we're going to talk about today. It's Spirited Companion. Wee! Oh, good boy. Good boy or girl. It's one or in a girl. white for a 1-1 one, one enchantment creature dog. It's a common, by the way. When it's Spirited Companion enters the battlefield, draw a card. All right, what card do we compare this to, Craig? Uh, this is like an Elvish Visionary, but in yep. white. Yep. And more importantly, it's also an enchantment creature. That's cool. So if your deck cares about enchantments and playing enchantments, then you're going to get triggers off of this. That's really cool. Um, just by itself, one in the white for a 1-1 one, one, enters draws you a card. It's still very playable. You can slot this into most decks that play white and be happy with it because it just replaces itself, gives you a blocker. If you're a white equipment deck, it's something to equip onto. If you're an enchantment deck, it gives you an enchantment trigger. Counts as an enchantment on the battlefield as well. Brago, King Eternal, yeah. Flicker deck. Uh, doesn't have access to green, by the way, like Rune does, so it can't play the Elvish Visionaries, but now you have an option there. Same with like Yuri and Sky Nomad. So I, I think this deck is, this card is actually sneakily good. One of the best commons ever printed. I even think white. I'm going to put this in my Gavi Nest Warden deck because it's, oh. uh, with certain cards like uh, Astral Slide. Oh yeah, Astral Slide, you can you bounce can it, bring bounce it back. It and then keep doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And then even just the turn that it comes into play, you're going to, make a thing and because you drew your card for turn and then this will come in and yada yeah. yada yeah yeah so very good card has the enchantment subtype uh that's one that i think is easy to miss but we won't spend too much time on it because it's at the end it's just still a good boy or girl all right the restoration of iganjo 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 one of the three sorry all e-i-g-a-n-j-o <laughs> <laughs> it's two and a white for a saga enchantment saga uh, first chapter says, search your library for a basic planes card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Chapter two, you may discard a card. When you do, return target permanent card with fit mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Hmm. Chapter three, exile this saga, then return it to the battlefield transformed under your control. Aha. So when you do that, it turns into Architect of Restoration. It's an enchantment creature, Fox Monk. Uh, three four with vigilance when architect of restoration attacks or blocks create a one one colorless spirit creature token okay three chapters here the first chapter you get a planes and put it into your hand for three mana that uh, we've seen lots of white cards that do this uh, the second one you can discard a card and when you do you return the permanent with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped so you could discard that planes and then put that on the battlefield so that's kind of like white ramp it's slow and it's entering tapped but it is white ramp um, you could also discard any other card and already have a land in there to be putting into the battlefield. So you don't have to necessarily do the land that you drew. Um, lots of different parts there. And then the third part, it turns into a 3-4, makes some tokens. So I think all of the parts of this are just okay. Yeah. Unless you're really, uh, I think the, ch the second chapter, if you have a deck that's really trying to bring stuff back that's low CMC, low mana value, then that's kind of cool. Because you can return a permanent, you know. There's lots of those types of decks, I think, that have some important things or maybe someone blew up your soul ring or whatever it is i don't know i see that like it'd be tough because like Carador doesn't care mm -hmm. uh moldrotha can't play this like the cards that could take the best advantage of it chapter two yeah eh. yeah and then the what really gets me on these uh on these sagas is that and this was something that was pointed out to me in the uh in the pre-release when they flip, they exile and then ETB again. Oh, they so don't have 
They have summoning sickness. They have summoning sickness. Mm. So now you're just stuck with like another dead creature for, you know, the third turn that this thing is out, which is now turn six. Especially because this does have an attack trigger. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, I don't know. The, the, all of these flip ones, I really wish they didn't exile themselves. Yeah, they just turned over. They, they'd, they'd be much more playable if they didn't. Yeah, maybe, maybe it should just say like remove or like... Just flip, flip it, it over and then remove it. the counters off it. Because I think the counters from the chapters is, is what sticks around and might cause a problem. Uh, okay. Yep. But I'm Understood. Sure. Yep. Uh, this works well with Welcoming Vampire, though, because you could be like, hey, want to attack me? Maybe bounce off my 3-4 and then I'll block and make a 1-1 one, one, and I'll attack and make a 1-1 one, one and draw a card. But it's a bit of a stretch at that point. That's a, that's a magical mystery land that I yeah. don't think any of us are going to live. But as you can tell, they're pushing white into the world where they can do rampy things. And it's all about bringing permanence back from the graveyard to the battlefield. It is tech. Technically ramp. It's technically ramp. It <laughs> comes in tapped and it's slow, but daggummit, it's ramp. All right, next up we have the Aerial Surveyor. Gosh, this just makes me want to go build some Gundam again. This one's cool. Yeah, two in the white for a 3-4 artifact vehicle with flying. And it has the cr uh, crew two. So you need to tap creatures with power two total to turn this into a, a creature. Worth it though. Whenever aerial surveyor attacks, if defending player controls more lands than you, search your library for a basic planes card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Hey, got there. Yeah, now this is actually white land ramp that may trigger, at, probably triggers once, maybe triggers twice, maybe even three times in the game. It's hard to block. It's a three, four. It also isn't a creature when you first cast it. Um, I like this. I like this a lot. Yeah, there's major downsides to it. Like, I think Boreas Charger is technically better. Uh-huh. But it's still it's still nice. It's still nice. It's great in Ishin because you get two triggers off it, and that deck does not have any uh, green in it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Shorakai is obviously a good vehicle commander, so I feel like you're, you know, every time he makes a little 1-1 Carlos Pilot creature, it can crew the Aerial Surveyor as well. So it's just another uh, a crew thing to have there. Very cool. Isn't that, that's where this came from, right? This came. Yes, from I the, believe the so. This is from the commander set, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So I, I don't know. I like this. And SRAM is probably the best for this because it's going to draw a card and SRAM can crew it because he's got a power of two. SRAM is great for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an obvious include in SRAM. Yeah. The thing about all these, though, is I don't think we're seeing uh, any white cards that are going to be under three mana value to do this effect. Restoration of Igonjo is three mana, um, and then all the other ones before will even more. But Aerial Surveyor and, you know, Welcoming Vampire, I think for card draw and ramp, they're putting sort of the limit at three mana value, it seems like. I think they could reduce it to two at the way that they're balancing this white because it... If they make it white-white well, instead of one and white? Not even. If they make it so that it has the typical white stipulation of if your opponent has more lands right. than you, then get a land. I think they could do that at two mana. The problem, I guess, is then like early game. If you know, let's say you go first and I go second, uh -huh. I attack you, and then but then I'm only one one land ahead because I can't do it again to you. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think three is where they're sticking at for now. It's it's what I've been seeing with all of the cards that we've been like. This is a good white card. It's almost always three mana, and same goes for this next one. It's true. Next one is two and a white for a white card called Drum Bellower. It's a creature spirit two one flying. Untap all creatures you control during each player's untap step. Whoa. Yeah. Reminds me of very green type things. Um, but this is cool. I didn't realize how good it was until I started looking through the notes that you and, uh, and Truck put together. 
yeah, lots of creatures can get untapped by this. Now, obviously, yes. this is not as good as, you know, Seedborn. the Prophet of Crufix <laughs> <laughs> or Seedburn Muse, Prophet is banned. Yep. Um, but you can do this with Noble Hierarch, Gold Mirror, Avacyn's Pilgrim, Bird's Paradise. And then if you have cards like Cryptolith, right? If you're playing a green-white deck, you have a bunch of tokens, then blam, all your creatures can tap and then they're untapping each time. Like if you have Catilda as well, Dawnheart Prime adds the similar ability. A Shia Soul of the Wild turns your lands into, uh, non-token creatures into lands. And so they can then tap for mana so you can tap them and then untap them. So if you have places to sink that mana into, then that's really awesome. Totally. My favorite is this note here about Glare of Subduel. You're the one that taught me about this card originally, by the way. Well, I used to, well, I still use it in my token decks. It's very effective. You yeah. basically tap a creature that you have to tap or untap uh, target artifact. No, creature. just tapping. Just tap. Yeah, okay. you have to tap an untap creature, but it taps an artifact or a creature. Gotcha, gotcha. So you can basically tap down your opponent's blockers. Pass and- turn, untap everything, do it again past turn untapped everything untapped do it again yeah Yeah, this with glare basically creates a lockout as long as you have creatures yeah 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 similar to like opposition as well if you're playing blue um provided you have creatures but again the drum bell itself can tap if you have opposition or whatever so that's really good white's never seen something like this before untap all creatures to control during each other player's untap step this makes me wish that it was one white white and not just two in white because this becomes instantly a very good card in a lot of different decks, especially ones that already have green. Totally. I had no idea how good this card actually was. Yeah. Also, it's flying. A 2-1 flyer. For three mana? Yeah. yeah. That's good. It's legit. Uh, this is finally, I think, the perfect card for Catapult Master, which is three white white, and it's uh, a human soldier to tap five untapped soldiers you control to exile target creature. Got so there. if you have five creatures that are soldiers, you can exile something every single turn. That's pretty cool. No Mage Shepherd does a similar thing, but it's green and it does it to destroy artifacts or enchantments. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Drum Bellower. Pretty good. That is very good. Very good. Also pretty good in the vehicles decks because it'll tap to crew and then it'll untap itself. That, that's where it came from, right? The vehicles yeah, deck? Yeah, it comes from the Shorakai deck. Yep, yep, yep. And so does this next one, I believe, and the next one. Organic Extinction. Eight white white for a sorcery has Improvise. Destroy all non-artifact creatures. Right. Improvise means that your artifacts can help cast the spell, and each artifact you tap after done activating a mana abilities ca- pays for one. So if you just have a regular artifact on the battlefield, an artifact creature, you can tap it, and then it will pay for one of the mana here. So maybe this costs, instead of 10 mana, maybe it costs seven or six. Yep. Destroy all non-artifact creatures, so you're going to be incentivized to run this in an artifact deck. It's kind of cool. It's similar to like Hour of Reckoning that's Convoke to destroy all non-token creatures. This is Improvised to destroy all non-artifact creatures. I think there's a couple cool interactions here. Obviously, you played in a heavy artifact deck, like maybe Alibu or something like that. Uh-huh. Where you have a lot of artifact creatures. But also, like let's say you're playing it in one of the Stranger Things decks. Your clues... You know, ah. your treasures, you can tap them to the improvise. You don't have to sacrifice the treasures, but you can tap them. So you can use a lot of, uh, like, ancillary artifacts to get that impro- improvisation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and then, you know, something like Liquid Metal Torque or... Uh, liquid Metal li- Coating. Liquid Metal Coating is kind of cool here if you want to save one of your creatures, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah, good point. You can turn it into an artifact and then blow them all up. Right. If you have Dockside Extortionist, you can tap the treasures for mana, and then later on you can sacrifice them, but you can just use them sort of as mana rocks. Tago creates yeah. rocks that you can also use for improvise. I didn't think about um, that. Olivia's Attendance creates a ton of blood tokens. So there's a lot of use here. Be careful, though. Mycosynth Lattice is a non-bow because it turns everything into an artifact so that you'll cast this and then nothing gets blown up. You'll blow up <laughs> your lands, right? 
destroy all non-artifact creatures. No, it's non-artifact creatures. Okay, okay. Yeah. Microsynth last turns all permanents into oh. artifacts in addition to their other types. So every creature becomes an artifact creature. All right, this next one I think is actually super exciting because there's lots of infinite combos. It's Swift Reconfiguration, the ninth white card we've talked about, by the way. One white mana for an enchantment aura with flash, enchant creature, or vehicle. Enchanted permanent is a vehicle artifact with crew five, and it loses all other card types. So this is sort of like uh, a way to turn the creature into an artifact that then has to be crewed in order to become a creature again. So you can use it on the opponent's creature to stop them, but you can also specifically use it on your own creature, which is kind of cool. It's similar to, uh, you wrote Chain to the Rocks, which is a one white mana for an enchantment that's that exiles how was, a creature. That's kind of how I was reading this card. Uh, what is the combo potential here? So Devoted Druid, one in the green for a Elf Druid. It's a zero two. You can tap it to add green, and then you can put a minus one, minus one counter on it, and you can untap the Devoted Druid. Now, you can only do this once because by the second counter you put on, it dies. It becomes a negative two, zero, so it dies. But if you swift reconfigure it, it becomes a vehicle with all of the abilities, but is no longer a creature. It's just an artifact. Interesting. So now you can tap it to add green and then infinitely add minus one, minus one counters to it. Doesn't care because it's not crude. It's not a creature. You can just keep tapping it over and over again. So there's a few cards that do similar things. There's Barrington Medic, Cinder Haze Witch, and yeah, those two. So kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Kind of cool. Good job, White. Uh, that does it for the white cards. Now we are moving on to red, and we only have three of them. All right, read the first. All right. This is your color, Jimmy. Dragonspark Reactor, one in a red for an artifact. Whenever Dragonspark Reactor or another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a charge counter on Dragonspark Reactor. Four, sacrifice Dragonspark Reactor. It deals damage equal to the number of charge counters on it to target player and that much damage to each of one up to one target creature up to one yeah so you don't have to target another creature you can target craig with one and then a creature on someone else's board for the other yep this can get out of control yeah because it's anytime an artifact uh enters the battlefield under your control and it comes in with one because it counts itself so yep. if you have again your dockside extortionist or your gold span dragon or the stranger things deck like max lucas mike all those cards they all create a bunch of clues those will all trigger this you can get the dragon spark reactor up to like Oh, geez, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 counters. And I was you playing pay a four. commander game the other night where somebody had 15 treasures, like, easily. Like, yeah. Yeah, without even trying. Yeah. Just one dock side, right? Yep. And then you can even use the treasures to then pay for the Dragon Spark Reactor, and it doesn't take the counters off. So if this thing has 15, you can just dome someone for 15 and then kill another creature for 15. That is. That's kind of nuts, I think. And if you're playing this card, you're playing a red artifacts uh, matter deck anyways. So you could get this back, back with, say, Derevi or Duretti or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do a dockside loop or something, oh. rebuy it, get a bunch out, and just keep going over and over and over again. I think this might be one of the most powerful cards just because of how versatile it is it's and how it requires a lot of setup it will yes. be a beacon for removal because once you're like hey i'm gonna yeah, play dock side someone's gonna be like all right i gotta get rid of that dragon right. reactor right but i really like it when you combine it with like toroff god of fury because it's whenever a creature or planeswalker and opponent controls dealt excess non-combat damage it deals that damage into the excess to any other target than that permanent oh that's so sweet you do 15 damage to that and then 15 damage to your one damage creature 14 yep. of it tramples over so that's pretty good too that's really cool um, also, this has charge counters. So if you have a way to move counters around, like Nesting Grounds or Ozolith, you can move it onto your Chalice of the Void, your Black Market, your Coalition Relic. It all, all sort of works there, too. There's Power Conduit, too. There's a couple ways to deal with uh, charge counters, which yeah. are pretty cool. Yeah. Look back in the old Mirrodin block. 
Yep, yep. I think you would play this in your Osgear deck, uh, Bosch. Oh, totally. Galazeth, Prismari. They're all uh, uh, good ones for this. So I like this card a lot. I think it's actually much better than it looks like on the on the surface, just Agreed. because in the right combo situations, you could be doing a lot. It's six CMC to get the whole thing off, but it's split up two and four. So yeah. it's like you get it out for two, do your thing, get as many counters on it, and then use the four. Yeah. And again, with Dockside or, you know, Academy Manufacturer, you're making so many more artifacts. This thing's just going to climb up and up and up. All right. Next is another Saga featuring one of my favorite characters of all time. Yeah, this one's cool. I, I definitely dig this one. And I love how the name of the of the character is in it. Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Ooh. Two and a red for a saga, enchantment saga. Chapter one, create a 2-2 goblin shaman creature token with whenever this creature attacks, create a treasure token. Kiki Jiki, by the way, is a 2-2 goblin shaman. Yes, indeed. Chapter two, you may discard up to two cards. If you do, draw that many cards. Always good to see more cards. Chapter three, same thing, exile this saga, and then it comes back in flipped. Comes in as reflection of Kiki Jiki. Yes. My boy. Look at yeah. that art. Enchant cre- enchantment creature, goblin shaman. One and tap it. Create a token that's a copy of another target non-legendary creature you control, except it has haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Reflection of Kiki Jiki is also a 2-2, just like Kiki Jiki. Yeah, so it's slightly worse Kiki Jiki because you have to pay one man to do so. So a lot of those sort of infinite combos don't work as well because you have to pay for it each time. But it still is Kiki Jiki's effect and copying a creature for an extra enter the battlefield effect or whatever is really good. Uh, this does go infinite if you have one more uh, copy of this out and then you have like a mana echoes because then every time it enters, it sees you have another goblin out. It adds that mana and lets you copy that next one. So you could do that with like your impact tremors or whatever. Um, but I feel like you're wanting copy. You want to copy cards like Combat Celebrant you get that yeah. extra combat trigger maybe dual caster mage uh once it's on the battlefield you can get cool now i can just sit here and counter a counter or whatever it is um port razor as well just gets you tons and tons of combat uh same with mirage phalanx it allows you to uh create tokens of copies creature soulbound ones and again this is not a legendary creature the reflection of kiki jiki so you can make more copies of it which is pretty cool Dockside. Dockside extortionist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worm coil engine. Worm coil, like there's just a lot of anything that would be good with Kiki Jiki is good with this. Yeah, so this is again a very, I think this is a good card, but the only thing is that it takes a long time to get there. You play it for three. Let's say you play it on, on pace on turn three. Turn four, it goes to two. Turn five, it goes to this, and then it flips over. So that's and a, then turn six, you can't use it until turn six. Oh, that's right. This doesn't it's have... Oh, no. It's so just, ridiculous. It's just the reflection of Kiki Jiki. It's not Kiki himself that has haste. Oh, look in the mirror. Slow down a little bit. Bummer. But still, interesting card. I think it'll definitely see play in decks again that have those end-of-the-battlefield ability effects. Totally. It's just a backup for Kiki Jiki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kami of Celebration is next. It's four and a red for a 3-3 spirit. Whenever a modified creature you control attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may play that card this turn. Whenever you cast a spell from exile, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Okay, so a modified creature is an equipment, auras, and counters. So any kind of counter, if it's equipment, if it's equipped with something, it's got an aura on it and it counts as modified. Uh, interesting about this, it's any time a modified creature attacks. If you have three creatures with one, one counters, they all swing. They all will exile a card off the top of your library. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That that is better than I thought it was. Always good to get more than one. I, I always find it disappointing when it's like, and whenever this happens, you trigger this ability one once. Time. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm definitely getting big mouth vibes off of this imagery. Yeah, Mori, right? <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like Mori, but but the commie version. Yes, that yes, has indeed. Seen some better days. <laughs> um, this is really good in Lelia, the Blade Reforged, because Lelia does become uh, modified herself when she gets a plus one plus one counter. Oh, Prosper right. as well, because you're casting cards from exile. Bell Borka, uh, Nasari, Dean of Expression, which is the other side of Uvilda, Dean of Perfection. Atali Primal Storm, right? There's lots of different things I think that this creature works well. And it is five mana, so it's uh, up there in the slots. Um, but I like it. Oh, Cathar's Crusade. Once you get an army out with Cathar's Crusade, cast Kami, swing with 10 one ones that are modified, yeah. or 10 five fives or whatever that are modified. Whew, yeah, that's, that's going to be nuts. A lot of card advantage right there. I love how they're making more cards for the newer commanders. Mm -hmm. You know, like they've definitely released a lot of new types of commanders in the past couple of years. And the fact that they're giving all of them uh, extra fodder like this is very cool. Yeah. All right. Let's play blue time. Yay. All right. Blue has uh, two cards, I think. No, three cards. I actually mis may have miscounted. So blue, the first one up is Mind Link Mech. Two in the blue for a 4-3 artifact vehicle with flying. Whenever this card becomes crewed for the first time each turn until end of turn, it becomes a copy of target non-legendary creature that crewed it, except it's a 4-3, it's a vehicle artifact in addition to its other types, and it has flying. And the crew cost is just one. So the first time you crew it, it becomes a copy of the non-legendary creature that crewed it. You can still crew this with a legendary creature, but it just won't become a copy of it. Okay. So this is interesting. Maybe copy a Cephalid Constable. Or a Ifrit Flame Painter, which wants to have the extra power. Cephalid Constable, again, wants to have the extra power. Very crazy if you hit someone with it at that point as a flyer. Um, maybe you also want to copy a, uh, an enchantment-type creature, a creature with a static effect, like Hullbreaker Horror, Tidespout Tyrant, Consecrated Sphinx. All of them have the ability, I think, to just sit there and generate value, which is cool because then you'll have two Consecrated Sphinxes, two Hullbreaker Horrors, two Tidespout Tyrants, and then you can go do some nutty things with that. I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. I like. I wish it would. What be better? I, I, like, I, <laughs> yeah, I just wish it were a little bit better. Like, it's cool, but I do, I do like your thought about doing a cephalid constable or like a cold-eyed selkie, oh, something yeah. where the where the power matters. So now it's like you're crewing it for one, but you're swinging for four, and it's a flyer, so it's gonna be hard cards. to draw, hard to block too. Right, right, right. Um, you could also do it on like. I don't know, like an Oracle of Moldaya as well. That way you can play four lands or more lands. You can play extra. Yeah, you can play a bunch more lands that turn, right? Oh, sure. Okay. So yeah, if you have an enchantment type, a creature that has like an enchantment or a static effect, that's when I think that this card gets a little bit better. I guess you just need non-legendaries that are good. Although I am with Mirrorbox trying to build some some legendary like uh, tribal stuff, so this yeah. could be cool in that. It it actually is a bit of a nombo because it says target non non legendary, non -legendary. so it has to okay. remove the legendary subtype. But I I still think it has a lot of use in decks as well. And again, Wizards is sort of sticking to I think the three mana area 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 to not make it too busted. No more dock sides. It does seem cool how it's three to get out and only one to crew. Yeah, that yeah, definitely yeah. makes it much more usable. All right, this next one is a pretty well-talked-about one we saw in the last game nights. Want to read it? Yep, Imposter Mech. It's a one and a blue for an artifact vehicle, 3-1. You may have Imposter Mech enter the battlefield as a copy of a creature an opponent controls, except it's a vehicle artifact with crew three, and it loses all other card types. Crew three. Yeah, it's a 3-1. So, downside, has to copy an opponent's creature. 
Upside, two mana, and it doesn't turn into a creature. So again, similar thing where the static effects copy your Oracle of Moldiah, your Consecrated Sphinx, your Tidespout Tyrant. Oh, cool, but it won't die to a Wrath. Yeah. And then you could always crew it to equip it or like... To, to use as a creature, yeah. But a lot of times I would be fine if Oracle of Moldiah never becomes a creature, you know? Yeah. Also, another cool thing with this, since it has to be an opponent's creature, you can copy legendary creatures. Yes. And, and, and like not a, have a them die. Commander and all that. Yeah, that's right. Right. Um, you can also get Enter the Battlefield abilities because it enters as a copy, which is a lot of the clones. So, Ewit, Dockside Extortionist, how many times can we say that card? Avenger of Zendikar, all of those cards will do well with this. This reminds me a lot of um, Phantasmal Image, which is yeah. a copy of any creature, but it dies if it gets targeted. But it's two mana, and that's why it's so good, is because you can clone something at two mana. So, yeah. pretty interesting stuff. It definitely dodges creature removal. I like that. All right, we have one more blue card. It is Universal Surveillance X Blue 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 Sorcery with Improvise, so your artifacts can again tap to pay for this cost, and you draw X cards. Blue's got a lot of these, um, X Blue 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 specifically. This one can be much cheaper with Improvise if you got Rocks with Tago, all that good stuff. Uh, but how many times can we mention Dockside Extortionist and Academy Manufacturer in a single episode? I think we're at six times or five times for Dockside at this point. Yep. Uh, Inspiring Statuary is another similar card that works well with decks like this. Um, Vagric is pretty good because it, it affects X draw spells, and it can use almost all the X blue, blue, blue draw spells in the deck. And then you got Urza, Brea, Emery, Brew the Clad. Brew the Clad's pretty good here, too. Because it's X, Mizix, kind of. But mm -hmm. again, yeah, I don't know if Mizix needed another X draw spell. <laughs> no, no. Mizix, I think, is going to do yeah. A-okay. Okay. Right, moving on to black. There's only one card. Yep. Ruthless Technomancer. Three and a black for a 2-4 creature human wizard. When Ruthless Technomancer enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature you control. If you do, create a number of treasure tokens equal to that creature's power. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Two and a black, sacrifice X artifacts. Return target creature card with power X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. X cannot be zero. Okay, so this is four mana, comes in, sacks another creature, and then you make treasures equal to the power of that creature. This screams to me Greven, Predator Captain, because you want to have those cheap creatures you can play with huge powers on them, like Lupine Prototype, Frixian Soul Gorger. So you play three mana, Frixian Soul Gorger, Gorger play Ruthless Technomancer for four, sack the Gorger, and then Blamo, you get eight treasures. I like it. There's definitely some uses to this card that I don't think I'm thinking of. Um, you know, I do think it would work in like my Carador deck or something like that. Reanimator builds for sure. Yeah. You know, where you can get it back out and then keep sacking other creatures and get more treasure tokens to kind of like build an engine. Uh, -huh. uh but you know, another, like the car, the deck that I use that has a lot of big creatures is, uh, is Rakdos, Lord of Riots. And I don't know if this goes in there because by the time I have huge creatures, I don't necessarily want to be sacking them for, uh, treasure. treasure. Yeah. I'd rather be sacking them for more cards. Yeah. So I think this is, uh, I don't know. It's it's like they tried to depower Dockside, came up with this. <laughs> and I will say I do like how it's just sacrifice X artifacts and they don't have to be treasures. Yeah, that's true. They don't have to be the treasures you make. They could be literally just artifact creatures like with your mirror battle sphere. Yep. Keskit, the flesh sculptor decks probably are very similar because they're trying to sacrifice a bunch of artifacts too. And then, you know, if you have, like, Jury, Master of the Review, whenever you sack a permanent, you put a counter on Jury, and then it deals damage when Jury dies. Ooh, so there's, like, things that you can do there that. That, is, that are interesting, yeah. Yep, that makes um, sense. And then Anala, Archmage Ritualist, cares about this because it's a wizard, so it could create more of them. Yep. So, yeah, good stuff. I could dig it. I also think with Academy Manufacturer, 
Bro. That second ability gets so much better. The first ability gets so much better. With <laughs> it's you, right. The first right? and second. Yeah, yeah, Ruthless yeah. Technomancer, sacrifice a Phyrexian Soul Gorger with any Academy Manufacturer out. You make 24 artifacts. The Greven decks, I think, really want this. Okay. I, yeah, I think so, too. I'll have to ask Josh and see what he thinks about it. All right, that's it for black. Now let's move on to green. We got Silk Guard. X and a green for an instant. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each of X target creatures you control. And then auras, equipment, and modified creatures you control gain hexproof until end of turn. So big resemblance to heroic intervention here. Yeah. Um, if you already have a bunch of creatures with plus one, plus one counters on it, awesome. They instantly get hexproof until end of turn for just one green. Uh, if you want to protect five creatures, you pay five for X and then one green. They add a one one counter on each of them, and then they all get protected as well for with hexproof. So this is scalable up and down. I think this is actually really good. Yeah, I think it definitely has uses. Like I was thinking of Traxa when I first saw it, just because putting counters on stuff, you're saving your you know your other equipments and auras and stuff like that. Yeah, but I like uh, Halana and Elena partners. They because they obviously add blood one counters to stuff. Catherall Aspect Warper as well. You're playing around with those ability counters, and that counts in terms of modified. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you have your Gave deck. And that's plenty of stuff there. This might be best actually in the Zaxara, the exemplary deck, because it's a Hydra deck. Every single Hydra pretty much is modified because they all have plus one, plus one counters. So Silk Guard, mm. again, just becomes a pay one green mana, protect everything, and give it hexproof. Now, the big difference is that it's not indestructible like Heroic Intervention, but right. you're probably playing both of them. Modified creatures. Oh, my God. I totally missed that text. So uh, Gave would be very good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're putting counters on things. Yeah, exactly. They're you can move modified. counters around at like instant speed. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. All right, next up, we got the Kami War. It's a cool card. A very cool card. But it's not, I don't think it's that great. It's, it stinks <laughs> that, you'd, like, it'd be cool if it could be your commander. It would be cool if it could be your commander, um, but it can't. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> it's one and Wooberg, so six mana total, as a saga, and it enters, and you add a lower counter to go to chapter one, which is exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls, English and making. Uh, chapter two, return up to one other target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, then each opponent discards a card. Eh. Number three, you exile this and you return to your battlefield transformed. And then what does it do, Craig? What does it become? It becomes a 6-6 six, six, Okagachi made manifest. A 6-6 six, six enchantment creature dragon spirit. Okagachi made manifest is all colors. Flying trample. Whenever Okagachi made manifest attacks, defending player chooses a non-land card in your graveyard. Return that card to your hand. Okagachi made manifest gets plus X plus zero until, uh, until end of turn, where X is the mana value of that card. Okay, so this will rebuy you a non-land card from your graveyard every time it attacks. It's got Flample. If you can somehow position your graveyard to have exactly what you want, then blammo, this is a like a 12-6 all of a sudden, or something even bigger. And there's a lot of like, if you can, what if in here. Like, I do think the first two uh, chapters are relevant, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to exile something, that's cool. That's always pertinent. And then return something uh, to your hand. That's usually pertinent, especially if you want to use the back side of this. Yeah. Chapter two is going to come in handy. But again, you flip it. It's a dead card for right now. Yeah, because it doesn't have haste. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, and it's kind of sucks because you can't even cheat it out with like Sisse Weatherlight Captain. You would think this is a legendary enchantment right. on either side. It isn't. Yep. Um, but it still is pretty good. Uh, you also have ways of cheating it out with like Spirit Sisters Call, which is a card we'll talk about in just a second here. Oh, that'd be cool. Okay, I could see that. 
Yeah, you know, there's just, I mean, that's how I think you play this in, if it's in the five color deck. Because when it comes down, it does do a, a relevant thing. Yeah. We just exile target non-land permanent, but it takes six but mana to do that. But for six mana and Wooburg yeah. is part of yeah, that. Yeah, it's so going to tap like, all your lands out. It's going to leave you a little that, restricted. That's harder to get than the four pips. Yeah. So that's why you got to cheat it out instead. <laughs> yeah. All right, the next one is a fun one. It's got a lot of abilities, so you read it, Craig. Yeah, this one's sweet. Colossal Sky Turtle. Four green, green, and a blue for a 6-5 enchantment creature turtle. Flying Ward 2, and it has ch two different channel abilities. The first one is two and a green, discard Colossal Sky Turtle. Return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So basically an E-Witness. That's great. Regrowth, yeah. Yeah. And then the second channel ability is one and a blue discard colossal sky turtle return target creature to its owner's hand. Wow. I, I really love the versatility of this card. You know, it's a big enough beater. If you have to play it as a creature, yep. A you know, mana six, five flying with some protection with ward. Yep. So it's, it's a little over cost, but it's, you know, within the realms of acceptability because you're, you're, you always have the ability of the other two channels too, mm -hmm. which are very pertinent in our format. You know, the e witness at recovery or e witness at instant speed at, for two and a green. Yeah. Very good. That almost can't be countered. Yeah. You know, it's very hard to counter that also to be able to return target creature, not that target opponent controls or blah, yep. blah, blah, yep. just any creature. So it could be your creature, their creature, something that's attacking you, something you want to cast again, something you want to get another trigger from. Yep. Yep. Uh, so I, I really love the versatility of this card and they've been printing if you've noticed like looking at this uh episode versus past episodes of in the 99 there are a lot more uncommons that we're talking about these mm -hmm. days and even some comments yeah and that's a major uh like kudos to the design team for that yeah because that's for awesome sure. yeah it is very awesome this card it may just be better in some decks than Eternal Witness. Yeah. Because again, you can do it at instant speed with channel and you have two different channel abilities on it and it is also just a creature. So you could, in a reanimator deck, channel this early, reanimate it later if you need a beater or rebuy it to your hand, channel it again, right? There's definitely loops that you can sort of get into with the Colossal Sky Turtle. This is just one of those very pushed cards, especially at Uncommon. If I was playing in limited and i saw this I, I would definitely draft it i think the only thing that's preventing me from running this over e-witness in a lot of decks is the fact that it has blue yeah. so you need a green blue deck but you know how many times do you have e-witness in your hand but no target in your graveyard oh plenty yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah enough to make you consider this card yeah yeah e-witness of course you can bounce it flicker a panharmonic on it very true but very true instant speed colossal sky turtle it's the reason i play ball recovery yep pretty cool okay Next up, we have another saga that exiles into a creature. It's Hidetsugu consumes all. Man, he's, a, he's a jerk, man. Bro, how can you consume all? <laughs> that If Hidetsugu truly consumed all, we wouldn't even be here. Think about it. He's a punk. <laughs> one in black and a red for a saga. The first chapter, destroy each non-land permanent with mana value one or less. That's not all. Chapter two, exile all graveyards. Getting closer. I don't like that. <laughs> Chapter three, exile the saga, then return to the battlefield under your control. It then becomes vessel of the all-consuming. Uh, kind of looks like the, uh, the the gas black gas character in uh, My Hero Academia. Uh, it's a 3-3 three, three enchantment creature, Ogre Shaman with Trample. Whenever Vessel of the All-Consuming deals damage, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. And then whenever Vessel of the All-Consuming deals damage to a player, if it has dealt 10 or more damage to that player this turn, they lose the game. I love that part. That sounds like Infect. Yeah. I, hey, wait a minute. Has to be this turn though when you when you when it when it does it. And it also can't be the turn that flips unless it has haste because it doesn't have haste. Is this vessel completed? 
I don't know. It's definitely consuming all. <laughs> I would say that if you kill someone with this thing, you have definitely taken all of them out of the game. Yeah. For sure. Um, this is interesting. There's obviously a lot of ways to kind of make this kill someone instantly, like hatred. Can this get this mm. plus seven, plus zero really quickly? But it also doesn't say combat damage. So it can deal damage through Sonya's Ignition. You can deal with Gravitic Punch or Fling, oh. Soul's Fire. You can double strike it maybe with Teamer Battle Rage or Ember Cleave. And you could do some of these things like uh, Soul's Fire or Chandra's Ignition. You could do that the turn that it flips over and exiles that you can't attack again. Yeah. But you could cast these things to do what you're saying, which I think is very cool because mm-hmm. you could with chandra's ignition if you get bump it by seven you can now kill the rest of the table yeah pretty interesting uh the front side's cool it destroys each non-land permanent with mana value one or less i think in like those really competitive games or, or, or people that just are running tons of elves or whatever it is could wipe out a big chunk of the board and then exile all graveyards too so i actually like this a lot the first two abilities are very relevant it will destroy your own stuff though so be careful you could totally build around that though yeah, or just play around it too. Right, exactly. Just know, like, you know what, I'm just going to wait to cast my stuff because after I do this, it's going to blow right. all that No stuff soul up. ring yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, we're almost there. Yep, oh, getting man, close. Hurts. All right, we already <laughs> talked about this card. Spirit Sisters Call, three white black for an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, choose target permanent card in your graveyard. You may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with the chosen card. If you do, return the chosen card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and it gains... If this permanent would leave the battlefield, exile it instead of putting it anywhere else. Cool. Each end step of your end step, sorry, you choose a permanent in your graveyard, then you can sack a permanent that shares a card type. So a creature for a creature, artifact for an artifact, and then that card comes back to the battlefield. And if it leaves again, it exiles. So this is kind of cool. It activates on the end step. You get to use the turn it comes down to buy something else. You can actually sacrifice itself to get another enchantment back, notably. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And, yeah. You could get out like Mind's Dilation, your Necropotence that's somewhere <laughs> removed, Nyx Bloom Ancient, Omniscience, <laughs> if you're in those colors. Overwhelming <laughs> Splendor is in the colors. So there's lots of juicy targets for for a sure yeah those are super juicy targets i see it more in like a token deck mm-hmm. or something like that so you're like sacking a token getting, getting an actual real creature, creature back. back yeah yeah especially in white and black that's good token colors for sure yep yeah i could see this in like alila then because you already have artifacts and enchantments and then you also yeah. have fairy creature tokens that you're making so you can sack any of those to buy them back alila would be great yeah i think it's really good in alila it works for like uh, lands too yeah Target any permanent. any permanent yeah yeah permanent. that's dope all right this one's fun This is Containment Construct. Two colorless for a 2-1 artifact creature construct. Whenever you discard a card, you may exile that card from your graveyard. If you do, you may play that card this turn. That's sweet for like Anya Falconrath or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yo, this is ridiculous. Gavi, Gavi, because you're cycling and discarding and now you can replay it. Oh, Gabby Nestwarden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is great with any mono red deck that's playing Gamble, Thrill of Possibility, Wheel of Fortune, because you get a chance to now play those cards. And it's anytime you discard a card, not the first one you discard each turn. This is not uncommon. I expect to see this in a lot of decks that don't have access to great card draw, but are playing Gamble or playing Faithless Looting and all that sort of stuff. Crazy and Prosper, which we've seen, you know, take that effect into huge places. Yep, absolutely. And then, uh, Reminds me a lot of uh, Conspiracy Theorist. Oh, yeah, It's like yeah. a red card that does something very similar. Yeah, most of the red looting effects or, or uh, rummaging effects discard a card and draw you a card. And now every time that you do that, you'll get a chance to play the card that you discarded. So you're kind of 
not losing that card to just discard if it doesn't have flashback or whatever on it. And red is always kind of looking for that answer to do stuff like that. So I like that it is a lot. so good for cycling. That's yeah, windfall crazy. as well, wheel of fortune, all that sort of stuff. Yo, this card's way better than I thought. It's an uncommon. Yeah, two mana. Everyone can get it. You can so it this goes right in now. Locust God too. Yeah, a hundred percent. Locust God may not need the help, but <laughs> with red, <laughs> you're probably playing a lot of, like the Faithless Looting and stuffs in there. So yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it works well. Love All right, this next one we won't talk too much about. It's Mech Titan Core. Two mana artifact vehicle. It's a two four. You can pay five mana to exile Mech Titan Core and four other artifact creatures and or vehicles you control. Create Mech Titan, a legendary 1010 construct artifact creature token with flying, vigilance, trample, lifelink, and haste. That's all colors. When that token leaves the battlefield, return all cards exiled with Mech Titan Core, except for Mech Titan Core, to the battlefield tapped under their owner's control. So you can crew this for two to just be a two four uh, for two as an artifact vehicle. But really, you're trying to pay five mana, get rid of this and four other artifacts, and then just make your blue eyes white dragon Voltron. Totally. Whatever it is. It's a 1010 flying vigilance, trample, lifelink, and haste. Not hexproof, so it can get bounced. Uh, but when the Mech Titan core um, leaves the battlefield, the token it makes, you get the other cards back. So, which is pretty crazy. Like that's, that's yeah, you can really, get really the battlefield cool. effects as well in creatures. There's lots of different things you can do there. I like that a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of playstyles that this fits. Also, the art is really cool on that version. Yeah, it's a totally ridiculous card though. Um, you have to get rid of artifact creatures or vehicles. So Mycosynth Last does work here. Um, if someone uh, stifles the trigger, I'm so sorry. You lose everything. If if you do this, you exile them. Someone's like, all right, uh, Sublime Epiphany. You can't do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So don't let that happen. <laughs> don't fly too close but to the But do sun. let your dreams be <laughs> memes and Titan cores or whatever at this point. Mech Titan. Please let us know if that does happen and we will apologize. Yeah. <laughs> We're sorry for your loss. Yeah. All right. I saw it actually happen on stream. Kenji did to someone, New Month Nummy, And it, there was like a, you could feel the tension in the air as the person just sort of looked at what happened, looked at their board that just got decimated and then just conceded. Oh, that's a hundred. <laughs> that's a hundred percent a situation where you go like, really? No? Dude, <laughs> dude, I'm just, I just, Jimmy, I drove 40 minutes bro. to come here and play with you guys. It's our first time playing in like two years, dude. <laughs> dude, you could just not. Oh my God. That would be so rough. Uh, we've all been there though. We've Have we? I hope not. Well, That's the kind of thing that would make me almost want to throw my deck against the, the wall or something. <laughs> Remember when I milled you? Yeah, that was that was limited though. That was limited. That was a little better. Craig double milled me in this limited night that we had and I got so angry I threw my cards at him. This was like 10 years ago though. Still my favorite. My favorite EDH story. It's not even EDH. <laughs> it's not even EDH, yeah. <laughs> all right. So mirror box. Three mana for an artifact. The legend rule does not apply to permanents you control. I love this. <laughs> not only that, each legendary creature you control gets plus one plus one. What? Not only that, each non-token creature you control gets plus one plus one for each other creature you control with the same name as that creature. What? This is... The best card we had similar to this before was Mirror Gallery that's five mana and only has the top line of text, which says the legend rule doesn't apply. Yeah, which was clearly created well before they kind of understood the the power of that and stuff like this. I think, I actually think this is a little low for the CMC. I would Are you imagine, kidding me? I thought I this was a five CMC card. That's five what mana I'm saying. Card. That's what this I'm is saying. way like, too low. For, way yeah. too low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like, so. I think it could have been four or five. It buffs your other creatures that you use to with the legend rule. If you have two whatever Volos or whatever, and then all of a sudden they get bigger because one, they're legendary, and then they share 
the same name as another creature. Oh my gosh. Mirror Crazy. gallery also was a universal effect. It wasn't mm -hmm. just you. So this, the fact that it only affects you just opens up so many deck building possibilities that I've been waiting for for so long. Yeah. Like love Sakashima, love Sakashima's imposter. Always have loved, uh, what's it called? Vesuvian doppelganger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. clone. Basically you can make a clone tribal deck now and just be able to copy. Box. Yeah. yeah. Be able to copy all those legendary creatures, which is just awesome. Yeah, this is great in Riku of the Two Reflections. Uh, Essex yep. Fractal Bloom. Again, Volo Guide to Monsters loves this card. Arami yep. of the Dead Tide. There's just so many decks that want this. This is basically causing me to build Essex. Yeah, Volrath the Shapestealer, Brew the Clad. All of these cards in these decks would love to be able to copy permanents that yep. are legendary. Oh, Brew the Clad. Jake's deck is going to get a lot better. Pretty good stuff. Yep. Brew the cloud! <laughs> All right, so this card's very good, obviously. Um, and it's severely undercosted. Yeah. Three mana for agreed. that. All of that. Agreed. Oof. Hidetsuga would have a field day with all of that. <laughs> all right, Roadside Reliquary is uh, one of two lands we're going to talk about. It's a uh, land you tap for colorless, and then you can pay two and sacrifice it. Draw a card if you control an enchantment. Draw an additional card if you control an artifact. Actually, that's not the text on the card. Let me reread it. Draw a card if you control an enchantment. <laughs> draw a card if you control an artifact draw a card if you control an enchantment sorry so so you could draw two you could draw two for two mana it's a land however you get rid of it but it's again you can play this in a lot of different decks i think it's a especially in like two color decks where you're not hurting your mana base by putting a colorless land in there um and it's a good way to sort of get yourself out of a pickle it does cost technically kind of three mana because the land itself gets tapped to get sacrificed can but i see it not a bad not a bad rate not a bad rate i mean especially draw yeah, draw two cards in the right decks. Like, uh, you know, we said Locust God doesn't need any more help, but, True. you know, you may need that in a Locust God deck or something like that. Agreed yeah. that the colorless is a problem, but... Yeah, it's not too bad. All right, the last card we're going to talk about is Secluded Courtyard. As Secluded Courtyard earns the battlefield, choose a creature type. You can tap it to add colorless, or you can tap it to add one mana of any color. However, spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type or activate an ability of a creature or a creature card of the chosen type. This is one of the best travel lands ever printed. Totally. Better than uh, the Ziggurat, better than... Yeah, yeah because it comes in untapped. It belongs in pretty much any tribal deck. Yep. Or even if your just deck has more of one creature than the other, like this could be in a five-color deck that has just a bunch of humans, uh, then awesome. Love how it taps for abilities too, so like you could yeah. put it in Memnarch. Yeah. You know? That's it. We did every single card that we thought mattered. Now, we may have skipped some that are super niche. Uh, we, we try to keep these a little bit shorter because there's so many set reviews now. But Craig, what's your pick for most powerful new card? For most powerful, I think the Teferi has... Tezzeret. The Tezzeret has a lot of... There's been so many Teferis lately. There's a lot of Teferis. A lot of Tezzerets, too, he, he does have kind of a power level of a Teferi, but I think the Tezzeret is uh, is the most powerful card. Yeah. I think the, the static ability is very powerful, especially with the new uh, Stranger Things commanders, which we're mm -hmm. going to see a lot of. More clues. Um, and then, you know, his minus ability, where you can go infinite with, uh, with Gilded Lotus... I think makes it, it's a combo piece. So that makes it very, very powerful. Yeah. Tezzeret's a pretty good card in general. He's always been a big baddie and doing cool things in this world. Draws you cards. I mean, like. I'm surprised you didn't say he's the reason that Jin Kataxias is back. And that's why you like him so much. <laughs> What's wrong with you? That's clearly why. I don't know as much card. of the lore. I mean, I also could have chosen. Well, we did most powerful, not favorite. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> Even uh, most powerful, it. I think, Boseju. Obviously, it's just the land that does it all. Every single green deck. I'm sorry. Every single green deck can play it. It's just how it is. Sorry. You don't have oh, to yeah. apologize, Joe. Uh, personal favorite new card outside of Tezzeret. 
My favorite is definitely Mirrorbox. Yeah. Like without question, not even hands down Mirrorbox. Just making some legendaries. Yep. Uh, I like Mech Titan Core because it's just filled with that fun potential. Who doesn't? I mean, I loved it when Briselda was a thing too. I was like, I want to just get this crazy thing out there. Who cares if it gets bounced? At least I did it. I'm going to load up with Stifles. I want to see. Bro, don't <laughs> say that. I want to be remaining your friend. All right. To the listeners, what cards are you excited to build around? What sweet tech do you have for our community? Let us know in the comments. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Start that conversation. We try to read as much as we can because we learn a lot from you as well all the times. Please check out channelfireball.com slash command. The next time that you're going to buy some cards, there's tons of cards we talked about today, tons of good pickups. You want to use it, use that promo code command at checkout. And when you get those cards, put them in Ultra Pro sleeves. They're going to protect it. Put it in Ultra Pro playmat. It's going to have the amazing art to go with it. And not just the art from this set, but the next set and the set after that and all the cool wall scrolls they do. There's so many great products to make. They make dice, deck boxes, you name it. They have everything you need for your collection. Those Mythic Edition deck boxes... They're great. So nice. They're so nice. So yeah. nice. They're some of my favorites. All right, the end step. We talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Uh, I had a baby. I had a baby uh, last month in January, and it's something uh, we kept very secret for a long time, the entire pregnancy, of course. Uh, but we were trying before that as well. Um, it's not easy to have a baby, it turns out. There's lots of complications. There's lots of failures as well along the way. So my heart goes out to anyone that's been trying uh, and has still not succeeded, but is still going for it. You know, best of luck to you. Hopefully you can uh, push through. And it's been a wonderful experience. Having a kid is pretty cool. Um, I don't, I'm not going to post or talk too much about it from now until the future probably because, you know, if I was a baby and someone was like, Jimmy, do you want me to post on social media for you? I probably would have not been, one, I wouldn't have understand what they said. But two, you know, I think it's got to be their choice if they want to do stuff like that. And I've been on social media for long enough to know that it's not the friendliest place in the world. Things like babies get pretty much, you know, 100%. Yay, hooray, we love you so much. But there's a lot of other parts of social media that I don't like. And I don't like also playing more into that system as well. Just to be like, oh, look at all the karma I got from posting my baby all the time. So I'm not going to be gratuitous in that way. But I do appreciate every single person that sent flowers. Uh, the office, everyone here at the office wrote really nice cards and sent flowers and like teddy bears and stuff. Everyone that's commented congratulations and has shared their stories of their children as well. Really appreciate all of it. Um, but yeah, the baby's name is Mason. And we have yet to find out what color magic he likes the most. Congrats on me. Better be red. I'm sure it'll be red. Yeah, otherwise that baby... Sorry, buddy. You gotta go. Just is, kidding. Is, is your wife a red player? <laughs> um, I don't know what Rosanna would play. I need to ask her. I think she probably would be like white-green. She loves nature. Um, She'd totally be green. Yeah, 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 yeah. green for sure. Um, And then I don't know what the... I mean, maybe she is a little bit of black in there too because she can definitely like... She definitely is can be cutthroat at the same time, you know, and you know, like life as a resource, all that stuff. I think she would be down for that idea. Maybe Mason's a Jund player? A Jund player? I Dude, like it. He's a beast in that case. Yeah. Look at him go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll find out. Uh, that, that I'll share with people once we figure it out. Maybe we'll do that thing where, like, you put all the cards in front of him and you have him crawl towards it and the you ones he touches. You should send <laughs> <laughs> We'll film it all cinematically. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, but that's it. Thank you so much, everyone, again, for the congratulations and the very kind words. It does not go unheard. All right. Clean up step. Big thanks to our team here at the Command Zone. Arthur Meadowcroft, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett. This guy. Ew. Ashton Rose, Alfred the Stocker, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Sam Waldo, Gorov Goliath, Truck Tie, Jamie Block, Damon Lynn, Shauna Gillis, Evan Limberger, Mitch. Uh, I'm sure I'm Josh missing... Josh Lee Kwai. Josh Lee Kwai. 
I may have missed someone else in there. It's maybe an older list. We have always, our team's always growing, and it's so fantastic to have everyone around us. Big thanks, as always, to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations that live behind us on set. He didn't do this one, but he does the ones that start in uh, the show at our YouTube page. So big thanks, as always. You can find that Living Cards MTG online. Okay, uh, my throat is about to drop out of my chest. Seriously. Each of these set reviews, I've done one in a while too, obviously, because I had a kid. I'm also running on like no sleep. So that's going to wrap it up for this In the 99. Thanks for joining me, Craig. Later, bud. See you all next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.